My name is Adam Martin. I am the founder of FI Project. I'm a five-time felon and I know what it feels like to be released from jail or a treatment center or detox or a homeless shelter into nothing. And so the idea was like, could we do a better job by providing services in an F5 fa fashion, which was the function key on a keyboard, which was like refresh. So like every time we met someone, what would it look like if we treated them like none of that existed? So F5 Project is a nonprofit organization. We help people who have uh, addiction issues, homelessness, mental health, and ultimately try and give them a chance to change. I had seen some trends happening with peer support where people with like real lived experience, they were going back to where they came from and they were helping people out of those situations. There's no better way to get over the stuff that happened to you in your past than to go and help people who are currently experiencing it. So many times when I would, um, you know, like Adam, I would say I was sober and I wasn't. You just go to, uh, <clears throat> go to these meetings because I was in trouble and um, I had no intentions at 19 or 20 to get and stay sober for the rest of my life because what was I going to do then like when I got married and aren't you supposed to get get loaded on on your wedding and and uh, and all these things that I thought were coming up but um, I surprisingly I stayed there for all the wrong reasons I stayed there because I found a boy to stock and um, and so that's why I kept going to meetings, to be yeah. honest. I didn't go to meetings sober for probably She's married six to that to boy now. Months. Just so everyone, she didn't go to jail or anything for stalking. <laughs> no, I actually married, that was his roommate I was stalking. I oh married, my gosh. <laughs> I married Matt and stalked his roommate. Um, and, uh, I never knew that. I always thought Matt was the story. No, no. Uh, okay. We don't have to say who it is. Matt probably has him on his four-step somewhere. So. Oh, he was really fun, too. Yeah. They're, they're all great guys. But um, <clears throat> I think the surprise in getting into recovery was that it was not as life-altering and as terrible as I thought it was going to be. Because really, like, you, um, my gangster cred took some hits, you know, going to yeah. AA. But, uh, but the amount of fun and the fellowship was amazing i had so many preconceived notions of what recovery is going to be i thought it was a cult but it's this cult that makes you be nice to your parents and go to work you know what i mean like that's an okay one to be in um i uh thought the sponsorship thing was dumb uh, and then i realized my best thinking got me there i wasn't like a rocket surgeon or anything fancy like that that's a play on words just out of there uh i uh it was just and there's a lot of people that I, there was people I sobered up with that mm -hmm. one girl I sobered up with went, on the day I had 10 years of recovery, she overdosed and died. Um, my husband's sister recently overdosed and died. Okay. It's just like a very real, very real thing, this recovery. And I, th I think when I was, I always thought, well, I was so young, it was probably just a phase, you know, but I would rather live the rest of my life sober and maybe be wrong on that aspect right. than live in the chaos of addiction and wonder why I can't get to the other side of the fence, you know? Right. So anyway, right. lots of things. That's yeah. probably a really big surprise is that, that I'm still here. Yeah. Like all the friends, mm -hmm. family, you know, like I honestly never, I thought like literally that the best I was going to do was just like have a job I didn't like. Mm -hmm and probably be with someone I didn't 
enjoy. Okay. You know, and then always have like some distant relationship with my kids. Like I, it, like I could have wrote down all the things that I wanted. Mm -hmm. I could have wrote down all the things I thought I was gonna end up getting, mm -hmm. and both lists would have been completely wrong. Mm -hmm. Like it, my life is crazy different, and I think there's sometimes it's. I'm past, I'm beyond the whole like survivor kind of guilt mm -hmm. or whatever, like, you know, cause I, I honestly believe that I put the work into, you know, where I'm at today. Uh, but it doesn't, I mean, I still think about, I mean, even like 10 years ago when we were hearing about overdoses and deaths and stuff, like it was kind of almost indirect at the time. It was like, we knew a person that knew a person. Mm -hmm. Now it's like, man, it used to be like seven degrees of like Kevin Bacon for overdose. And now it's like, family yeah. and like direct people mm -hmm. you know and it's 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 like increasing the rates like 50 percent year over year yeah. to the point last night when we were talking in treatment like fentanyl is obviously the number one offender mm -hmm. and they're putting it in everything a guy was telling me last night that he that he smoked weed and they put fentanyl in it and they didn't tell him wow to the point where they don't even know, they don't even know, we don't even know if the dealers, like this low level dealers know mm -hmm. until someone overdoses and dies or something like that, right? So it's just like, it's in everything. Yeah. And they're like professionalized the industry and they're pressing the pills and they look just like the normal pills. And, and so like last night, everyone was just like, you know, a raise of hands of how many people have overdosed. And we got 20 people in there and there's like nine that have oh. think about that like nine people in a room that had died and been brought back to life you know what i mean mm -hmm. and it makes a really great argument for narcan that it, like even if you you know are law enforcement and think it's dumb that you have to you know save addicts lives and stuff because they they purposely are doing drugs and whatever but like they're it's keeping them alive long enough to get recovery and get their kids back and become citizens and stuff like that. So it's, you know, and then the fact is, is like most people think it's a moral failing, mm -hmm. but think about it. Like if you died and then got brought back to life mm -hmm. and then use again, that's not morals. Right. That's literal. like you died mm -hmm. and you're still wanting to use, right. you know what I mean? That's mm -hmm. trauma. It's mental health. It's it's addiction. It's mm -hmm. it's something in your body is just built different now. You know what I mean? Like it's just that's not a moral failing. That's that's a that's a social and and mental health and that's a health community health issue. Right. And and I guarantee you that if you're against Narcan or you just have a bad conception of like addiction or think it's a moral failing, wait until it's your kid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've seen more legislators and more law enforcement and more judges and more whoever change their mindset after it, it got to their house. And fentanyl is like the teenage, early 20s big killer. And it is not certain to any race or gender or anything. Right. So it's just crazy right now. Super crazy. That's just frightening that you, when you said that um, someone might choose to not give someone Narcan based on like, well, they pick to do drugs or whatever. It's, uh, that's frightening. Like yeah. you sh that should never be, be an option. Cause this, this is, I, at least I believe it's an illness and I don't think 
that people like Adam said if you if there was if you learned from if you were like oh I've reached the bottom now I need to change I just don't think that there is a bottom I think that there is just like I can keep digging a hole forever you know you just get further and further removed from people until um, they can't their heart can't stand to watch what you're doing and I I can't stand to break their heart anymore so you just become not close to them but here's the thing I don't need I don't know how real that is if someone mm -hmm. you know what I mean like it's one thing to say we're not gonna carry it right right because our law enforcement here do yep. right across the river they don't you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's one thing to say that I'm not going to carry it. You know, like that's almost like a, <laughs> it's like a premeditated, like I've put thought into this and I'm not carrying it knowing that someone's going to die around me. And that's now you just contributed to it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? There's not a first responder that I know that would actually do that. You know what I mean? So it's like, like, think about that for a moment. Like if someone really saw someone overdosing, and they were like, I'm not going to do anything about it. Right. Like, you're looking at someone dying, and you're just like, it's not my belief to help him. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's scary. scary. The only other place I've ever seen something like that happen is, like, with a, an enemy right. in prison. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And they're in prison for a reason. Yeah. That's, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's just like, I just can't imagine even my worst enemy, right? Even someone who's violated me mm -hmm. is like in that point of like death, struggling, can't breathe. And I just watch or walk away. Like, I just can't, I can't even imagine what that would be like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can't live with that. No, so there's no that'd way. That'd be like playing God. Or if you had, that'd be like if you had those heart paddles you know that when they say clear and then whatever then i don't believe like, to in do that heart not do that because yeah. like oh this guy i think he just on purpose ate all those steaks and wrecked his heart so now <laughs> i'm just gonna let him go you know yeah. it's just silly but but i think we all judge that way like well how why would they do that or um why didn't we know why didn't we know that matt's sister was still using heroin and stuff because most people are high functioning addicts and yeah. they hide all that they don't want you to worry you know, but they don't know how to go through life sober either. Right. So it's too humbling to ask for help. And suddenly it becomes a lot of work and sobriety to have to like go to these meetings and I'm going to be uncomfortable. Well, yeah, you're going to be uncomfortable, but if you're not uncomfortable, you're not getting better. So, um, it's just difficult. It's difficult to start, you know? Cool. So, <clears throat> and if you're just tuning in, this is the F5 recovery radio. Uh, you're joined with one pretty Ricky, Kirsten Huvenin, and my good man, Adam Martin. Uh, we're talking today's topic is about surprise and about the surprises that we're finding in recovery and just kind of our journeys in recovery as well. So I want to thank you so much for just listening here on KRFF 95.9 LPFM. Uh, so we were just sharing a little bit about uh, just some of the, the different surprises and things of the almost the, the premeditated, I'm going to choose not to save a life. Right? What are your surprises? I think for me, one of the biggest things that I was kind of surprised about was just how effective uh, recovery could be. Um, I did, <laughs> it was one of those, like, I, I didn't really choose to kind of know. And, you know, everyone's empathetic, right? Like, I'm, I'm very grateful for, you know, my family and different ones who were very much like, yeah, no, we get it. We, we, we feel you. Like, well, we're here for you. Just let us know how we can help. And it's like, sometimes, like, 
I don't know how I want you to help. I don't, I don't, I've never been sober. I've never been clean. I don't know what that's like. Or, and when I was, I was an adult, you know, like, so I don't know what that looks like. And so I think one of my biggest surprises were when I did find a community or several communities of people who were clean, who had been sober for a long time, or some who hadn't, or not even sober longer than I had been, they were just so supportive and so like, hey, we're in this together. And it wasn't just an empathy. It's like, no, we actually get it. And I think that was one of the biggest things that I needed because I needed people who understood what I'm talking about. So instead of <laughs> when I would tell these crazy stories to my friends or to my wife and just some of the things that I were doing, you know, she was like, huh. <laughs> you know, I was like very much like, oh, we were together then. And I was like, oh yeah, it's cool when I say it in treatment, but it's not cool when I say it to you. All right, I need to rethink how I'm gonna do that. But it was just, I think one of the big, one of the, the fun surprises were like, okay, I can, I can do this group of people who you don't you know what they look like you know you don't know you can't tell you know, who's in recovery and who's not but you know these group of people where I can go into these rooms and just share these stories and they can be like yeah we get it we got you we're glad you're here you know like, let's have some coffee let's and it was just no questions asked and that was awesome that was what I needed I think that's probably like what I like the most about you know did I put it right here I did put it right here. um what I like the most about recovery is that they were all a bunch of crazy people like i went to church and they get me wrong i love church people they're kind some <laughs> you know but they and i even had one guy david who, who was like he was like one of my favorite people like he you know he came from like a really good home you know what i mean parents just absolutely loved him you know like he, he just never did anything i mean sure he did things wrong but not to like our magnitude you know and i remember he sat down with me and i was like hung over and i was like at church because i'm like trying to like stay sober and stuff and he was just like adam i just want you to know that i don't judge you and i was like well we're talking about it so it's you know what i mean like like you're obviously thinking about it and i appreciate that like you don't have to, here's the thing about like grace and judgment you don't have to tell people you're being graceful to them you don't have to tell them that you're not judging them you know what i mean like i think part of it is that we've always just really struggled with like not being the token like person you're being graceful to you know what i mean and so like bless his heart like he, he was like i view when I lie to my wife, like when you steal cars, like sin is sin. And I was like, that's amazing. You're not on Valley News Live. You know what I mean? Like it's, I like, and so I appreciate it, but I, I think it like, it's time for, to give the people a lived experience, the mic. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's like with peer support and maybe, maybe you've seen this like in the treatment world or whatever, like it's never really been utilized that much uh it's like it, it's almost like a guy gets sober and then he gets active and he starts doing some really good things mm -hmm. and you know he's like i want to help other people and and then treatment providers or like counselors or whatever like that's really great i'm going to connect you to some of the guys that leave here right and then they're like you know a guy will be like you know what i think i, I want to do more i want to like work at a treatment center and it's just like uh calm down mm -hmm. you know it's almost like like we can't, you know, it would be like a doctor, you know, who became like a doctor, right? Mm -hmm. And then he was like, you know what? I want to teach other doctors. And then they're like, mm, that's not how it works. 
well, I have experience. I've done surgery. I've done like I can, you know, they're like, yeah, but you didn't go to school specifically to teach people. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, it's almost like I got felonies, they got degrees. And so, but that shift has, like, happened in the last probably five years, six years. And I'm telling you, like, I, like, if people run out of insurance or they can't get in or whatever, it's, it's almost like it's going through this evolution of, like, all right, well, you didn't get into treatment. So we're going to connect you to these guys who are, like, in recovery you know what I mean? So that was kind of how it started. And then now it's like, all right, we're going to, Adam started this place. He's not a doctor. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's in, you know, and then we're going to let him be in groups. And like, we started doing that. And then I started seeing it happen in, in other places or whatever, because we were getting like really good, you know, it takes a lot of responsibility off of nurses and doctors. And mm -hmm. they're like, oh, I met Adam at treatment and now he's at the meeting. Mm -hmm. You know, and they're like, in the past, it was like, oh, we got to have boundaries and policies and, you know, or whatever. Right. And it was like, man, you guys are just red taping the crap out of recovery. Like, I can't do anything. Right. If I see him at a meeting or something, I'm like, I got to pretend I don't know him. And they're like, well, what if they get to know you? And like, yeah, what if they get to know someone in recovery? Weird. Weird. Like, that was the goal. Right. Like, you want me to talk to him about it and then see him there and be like, I got to pretend I don't know you. Right you know or go to a different meeting where there's no clients at or something like that like i can understand from a nurse a social worker mm -hmm. a licensed addiction counselor mm -hmm. you know what i mean but like for for us that are like in the community actively doing those things if we happen to also be a treatment provider yeah. like cool whatever yeah. you know it's good I, for it's good for people to see that you're like authentic and you practice what you preach and you don't just say you should go to meetings and then you don't and for whatever reason, uh, in addiction, you get hung up on that stuff. And I worked at a halfway house for 15, 17 years, something like that. And really, it wasn't something that was encouraged to even push people to, like, get involved in meetings and stuff. Because it was everybody's choice and you have to blah, blah, blah. But truthfully, 12-step um, programs are the most successful uh, long-term recovery things available right now. Mm -hmm. So... I would see the same faces over and over and I knew ev what was missing every time was that connection with somebody in a meeting, you know, for long-term recovery. And of course there's been people that have gone off and stayed, you know, alone in their world or whatever <coughs> and stayed sober. There are those people, but for the vast majority, that connection is vital. And I think that what another surprising thing about recovery is how quickly I forget how desperate I was because mm -hmm. I was desperate like um like I didn't I couldn't stay sober I couldn't not stay sober I didn't know if I wanted to even live anymore it was that dramatic but then I'm sober for a little while and suddenly it's like well I don't you know I get my opinion back I'm like well I, it wasn't that bad maybe I don't really want to hang out with those people yeah it's, it's not even an opinion it's like a judgy opinion yeah. it's yeah. like you were literally dead two days ago mm -hmm. and now someone invited you to go to a meeting to just go check it out right. and you're like nah, i'm good mm -hmm. well what are you gonna do uh you know it's like recovery is the only thing that i've came across where like people think you don't have to put effort into it right. like it's just gonna i just have to just not use yeah. you know and it's just like then even after you like prove that wrong over and over again like you just hold on to it with dear life that, right. 
and then you finally even in the in the book in the final analysis right like he like f5 even 12-step programs i wouldn't even put those two in the same you know in the same bucket mm. but like it's the if there's a row of houses and there's like the mecca right the the <laughs> mansion mm -hmm. and then it just kind of gets like smaller and smaller and then like across the street in the trailer park there's like a a single wide trailer with like dimly lit or whatever a bunch of people hanging out outside with styrofoam cups mm -hmm. right of coffee and smoking cigarettes and whatever and then you see it and you're like oh that doesn't look like a good place and then you but you've tried all these other houses and then you get there and you walk in and you real people are like talking to you and like hugging you and making you feel comfortable and sharing mm -hmm. stories literally that is in my opinion recovery like that final house that it was kept broke for a reason mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah. i'll tell you because i'm a founder right i founded an organization where people are paid to do you know employment navigation housing stuff like that yeah. you know and then i've also been a part of like recovery groups and there is a vast difference of community but there's also a vast difference on, they're both worlds are really good. Mm -hmm. This world is really good on making sure that you get the things that you need, like social capital, family capital, mm -hmm. like we'll help you with all that. But the community aspect isn't there. No matter how hard we try, mm -hmm. events, community meetings, whatever, yeah. it will always have that detachment because of the financial part. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think that was what AA did perfectly mm -hmm. is that they kept it broke so that it kept it about the people and not politics and religion and money and stuff like that so since you both are obviously have been in recovery for a while and, and are learning more about the treatment side and the provider side of things are you surprised when people see the big mecca and they go to the mecca and they just expect all this change and different things to happen and then it doesn't work or are you surprised when us uh, a friend of mine who was like, "Oh, I tried it, but it didn't, you know, didn't work," and then they just stopped. They are we surprised? Yeah. Are you surprised when people no. don't go all the way down the street to get to the? To I'm the surprised if they make it to the end of the street. Yeah, like I'm yeah. surprised if they make it to us. Mm -hmm. I'm not surprised by the results. Like if we did, like, you know, we do recidivism rates with mm -hmm. prison, but we've never done them with treatment centers. Yeah. <clears throat> it's high. Super high. I bet it's worse than prison. Wow. By probably, I would imagine probably 80%. Oh. But we don't, the difference is, is a different industry. They don't, they're not going to, they're not, they're not going to keep those stats. Right. No. You know what I mean? They're not paid per person mm -hmm. as much as like the Department of Corrections is paid on budgets, right. not input outputs. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, it eventually is. So that's how they get, but the money goes to bigger buildings more beds where in the treatment industry it goes to the top mm -hmm. you know yeah and it's an Ill i mean i do i think it's an illness i'll just continue to say that but i think that it's an illness where the it tells you you don't have it and secondly the second thing that gets hangs gets most people hung up and i almost hate when this you know the psycho babble comes in and gives you an out but um, the, one of the hugest symptoms of addiction or anything like that is, uh, and that's a crutch a lot of people fall on when they first get sober. Well, I have social anxiety. Well, yeah, 
Of course you do. You have this illness. So just, you're going to, it's going to be uncomfortable. I promise you that. It will be uncomfortable. You won't want to do it. You'll find a hundred reasons to not do it, but your life depends on it. And um, when people say, oh, I tried it, I didn't like it. Like, well, what did you do? Did you just show up there? Did you talk to anybody? Did you actually do the things they suggest? Because <laughs> all of that is free, you know? And if nothing else, it's just um, a place to meet people, other people that are sober. Because I don't think that it, when you first sober up, my life was not full of anybody that was sober, you know? Or, okay. and the people that, because you, you, you get sent to psychiatrists, psycho you get sent to all of these people that really do care and really want you to be better Absolutely. and um i lied to every one of them because i don't know why did i care that i disappointed a shrink that i was going to see for two months i don't know but i did and then i go and i meet somebody like adam and i'm like oh my gosh now i want to stay sober now yeah. i can say everything you know what i mean right. but so it's a different illness and i think if we just walk away out of fear of being uncomfortable or walk back into the stuff we know from before and um and a lot of people do make it to the last house on the street and still don't walk into that one you know mm -hmm. so and i think that's where this profession at least as an addiction counselor it kind of becomes the redheaded stepchild of psychology because the um success rate is so minimal you know what i mean and it's a high burnout rate and um it's hard to watch and not take it home and it's just yeah it has a huge ripple effect yeah. For sure. There's so many things that like are, there's so much like, I don't know what you'd call it. There's like so many things that affect, like if you were to like draw like a paper with all like a bunch of arrows to the different industries, to the different people, to the different, you know, pharmaceutical companies, to the different like, like the addict and the alcoholic, or even you could fill in the blank with like, you know, because we criminalized it, the felon, right? are the single point of interest to probably more things than anything else. Any other like illness, any other whatever, because like, you know, people who have a illness with like cancer or diabetes, they don't, they're not, there's no interest from the Department of Corrections. There's no interest from the courts. There's no interest from, you know, therapists and you know what I mean? Where like people with addiction, mm -hmm. like name an industry, even the park, like the parks right with the people that are falling asleep or overdosing or dying or like homeless that are you know falling asleep in, a, in weather like that like it affects everything and so that's why it, like when new bills or laws or you know new evidence-based treatment or something you know what I mean it's like follow the money right what interest does someone have in this and that's the beautiful thing about like grassrooted recovery is that there is no interest you know even in the beginning when bill wilson like approached dr bob his interest wasn't dr bob right dr bob didn't even want to give him a time of day because he because he was so inundated with religion and and uh and, you know co-workers and you know whatever of everyone wanted to cookie cut him and make him into you know they probably had the same goal as him, but they had there was a reason they wanted it. Right. Where Bill shows up and he's just like, listen, thanks for giving me 15 minutes of your time. I'm not here for you, I'm here for me. Right. And then Bob was like, never, <laughs> never heard anything like that. He's like, what do you mean you're not here for me? Right. And he's like, I gotta do this if I wanna stay sober. 
and totally took the burden off of Bob. And then they spent the next three hours or whatever yeah. smoking cigarettes and yeah. drinking coffee and hitting it off and been they were tied together for the rest of their lives. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. That can't happen in a treatment center. Yeah. It can't. No, and it's the long it's the long term like. I think people don't see past like once you're done like gambling once you're done gambling your life will be good once you're done using your life will be good but it's so much bigger than that and if because if that was the answer then detox centers would pump out winners you know what i mean they'd mm -hmm. just be like oh thank goodness i'm sober now i can go but it's not it's like this illness is hardwired for like i can't live life on life's terms i need a crutch and i don't know how to not need that and right. function and I think that's where you, the community comes in. And, um, you know, as, as silly as it sounds to have like a sponsor or a mentor in life, you know, there isn't anybody that couldn't benefit from that, you know? Um, but the idea of being told what to do, oh my gosh, we're so anti being told what to do, but I'm out of ideas. So uh, <laughs> I need at least a suggestion or something. And then I'll decide, I usually decide to try it my way first and then, and then I'll go back and say, okay. Yeah, and then there's usually work. some like person in recovery just kind of like, how's it going? How'd that work out for you? Like super sarcastic and, you know, feels demeaning, but like someone said it to them too. Right? Do you got to do a commercial or something? Yeah. Okay, do your uh, thing. Uh, so just tuning in, uh, this is the F5 Recovery Radio. This is one pretty Ricky. I'm joined with Kirsten Hooven and Adam Martin. Uh, we're talking about surprises in recovery. Uh, before we do that and jump into our last like segment before uh, we get out of here, just want to thank uh, the, the Drummer's Journey for underwriting the uh, programming here on 95.9 Radio Free Fargo KRFFLP. Uh, Drummer's Journey offers percussion instruments, hardware, electronics, accessories, and more. They have full service for drummers, including repair, custom building, and lessons. You can find them at, located at Highway 10 and east in the mall in moorhead their hours are monday through thursdays 11 to 7 fridays and saturdays 11 to 5 and sundays for adam noon to 5. for more info check out drummersjourney.com why did you say for adam yeah, just in case I, I, I wanted to go there yeah. on a sunday, no, on a sunday. oh yeah that's usually when you have like the most your free time it's weird that you know my life. Like, Just I, dig drummers. Yeah, drummers. they do. Felony. Yeah, oh, if Lord. I have, like, I could be a drummer. I could and not be able to drum, but because I have five felonies, they'd be like, he's like the Tommy Lee of Fargo. Yeah. I'm like, I am. At least the girls I hang out with dig that. <laughs> yeah. Don't they always say, like, the drummers are the crazy ones in bands? Isn't, is that a thing? Uh, like, yeah. uh, I think they're the drug addicts. Oh, yeah, they're yeah they're usually the. Yeah, I, don't I don't know. It's funny because a a band is the same thing as like uh, people who like start up a company. You have you have to have like the different personalities, like in the tech company, you have to like the, this extremely smart, introverted nerd <laughs> with like the one engineer who like has a little bit of personality, gets uncomfortable but willing to tell the story of the company. You know what I mean? Like they yeah. have. You know, all in the band is the same way. Like, a, literally, like a startup yep. company is a band. Mm -hmm. Like, you, and you got to be able to play together and work together. Mm -hmm. You know, that's such a great analogy. I, the weird one is the bassist. The bassist is always <laughs> like the bass player is always the weird guy where it's just like, you know, I've yet to meet a bass when it, I, if someone's like, I'm in a band, you're like, you're a bass player. <laughs> Are you a bass player, Ricky? No. Oh. No, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the drummer. You're the drummer? I was the drummer. 
at a church band, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not, yeah. <laughs> so growing up, that's like immediately my mom was like, "You have too much energy." That, that's that's every I think, especially maybe in part in black churches, they're like, "Oh, a lot of energy here." There you go. Going to choir, going. To, it was something with instruments. Dude, my grandma would lose her mind if there yeah. was drums in a church. Yeah. Because it just shouldn't be, or she'd like it. It's well, yeah. she's. Well, maybe she'd be... Actually, you know, I take that back. She's, like, way different today than she was when I was, like, a kid. Right. But, like, you know, I, I grew... I spent the first chunk of my life in southern Alabama, mm -hmm. right? Where, in some places, the drums is, like, the devil's portal. You know what I mean? Like, yes. we don't dance here. We don't do drugs. We don't do drink. We don't, we don't do drink. We don't drink, you know? And now, I like, dude, my grandma would go sit in a black church and just be like we love jesus mm -hmm. like she he like changed her life you know yeah. so it's but early on man like southern alabama i lived on in on selma street in dothan mm, you know okay. what i mean like yeah. i was like the only white kid except for mr sellers who lived in the big house on the end of the block i'm like i'm pretty sure that this at one time that was a plantation house you know what i mean like and they like were saying you know the n-word you know what i mean like it was like but it was like, I can see how like someone's like, this is so super normal. Mm -hmm. Then the internet happened and I was just like, oh, this is not normal. <laughs> this is like normal here. Right. And then I come to North Dakota and it was just like, it was like no one. Mm -hmm. I mean, everyone was like super North Dakota nice and right. you know what I mean? So, but I've talked to some guys. <laughs> I've talked to some guys at the NAACP, mm -hmm. you know, that work there that I'm friends with, that I've served on nonprofits with. And they have told me, and Ricky, you got to back me on this, or, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, not back me. They almost appreciate someone who's outspoken racist more mm -hmm. than someone who just acts like they're not, but really are. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because at least you know that guy is against you, mm -hmm. where this guy can stab you in the back. Right at the right moment and literally take every, you know what I mean? Like it's a, mm -hmm. I never thought of that. And, mm -hmm. and I was like, and when I first heard it, I was like, yeah, but this guy, yeah, he's just a big, <laughs> he's just a big mean take. Like he's not going to do anything where yeah. this person is like, got plans and premeditations and mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And yeah. acting like they're not. Yeah. So it's just like, I never even, I don't, am yeah. I wrong? No, here? Okay. And I think it's one of the things where you just, you want to know exactly what side of the street people are on. You want to know exactly, like, okay, where do you stand on... You pick the topic. It doesn't matter whatever it is. You just, like, want to know. And the, the more outspoken you are, the more defined, like, okay, I'm going to either avoid that person. I'm going to know... Like, it, you, you just... I don't know if it's just a training or if it's just, you know, how we grew up. You know, how my parents just kind of raised us. So it was like, well, when you know people exactly for who they are, you know how to be... Who you need to be around them yeah and there's just a lot of change that has to happen depending on because that person could be your boss and so then you're like okay how do i navigate this job that i have to have because i have bills to pay or what you know whatever the situation is like especially when you're in a situation where you can't just get away you know where it is going to be an everyday like if i if that happened if i was out uh downtown and someone was just spewing off racist like i could choose to engage i can choose to help educate them in a wide variety of ways, or I could just completely ignore them. So it just depends on, you know, you, you have the choice. Yeah. But, you know, Adam <laughs> was racist. might be a little different because yeah. we have to be on this radio show. You know, yeah. like it's, it's That'd a be little weird. Bit different. Yeah. 
Yeah. We would work it out. Here's, here's, I'll tell you what I love about Ricky is that like, I know, I know I'm white. I, you don't have to tell me I'm white. Like, oh my goodness. Well, like radio, they don't see your face. Yeah, they also, <laughs> so, yes, I don't know I if you guys black. are listening. Yeah, I, I mean, Facebook right. Live knows that, you know, but like, but here's like, I, I'm never going to fully understand. It's just like, like with really any, like anything, right? Like if I don't have experience in it, I'm never going to understand. Mm -hmm. People can say they can sympathize with it, but they'll never be able to empathize what it is like to be, you know, and, and by no means am I putting black in any of these categories other than, you know, here it, it's, it's not a majority, right. right? And so the majority of people in Fargo are not addicts, right? right? Or mm -hmm. alcoholics or felons or uh, a person of color or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's the only way that I'm putting these in the same areas, right? By no means do I think that they're the same, just so I can clarify that. Mm -hmm. The reason that I it, I appreciate having Ricky in my life is because I'm white and I don't know what it's like to be black. And he's created a safe environment for me to be able to ask him questions, you know, that I know if I asked publicly, people would probably think, you know, they would take it the wrong way, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so, like, you know, how do how do I, you know, is it weird when, when a guy tries to act like he's one of the guys with, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. you know, or is it okay to, like, joke about race? Like, is yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, is, are those things okay? Like, and it really just comes down to, I think, relationship, right? Yeah. Me and Ricky can joke around, mm -hmm. around, he jokes around about my, you know, white, <laughs> you know, privilege, <laughs> you know, and then I joke around about, you know, like, I, I personally, I love chicken, you know what I mean? And that's obviously stereotypical, you know, joke or whatever. And so, like, I'm not going to go out there and do that in public, but, like, Ricky and I have developed a relationship to where, like, we're, no, we're, I'm not, we're not trying to hurt each other. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I've been around guys that are white, and they say it almost sounds like the same things, mm -hmm. but they're saying it in a very demeaning and hurtful, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. They don't yeah. have people in their life that they really care that, you know, and it's the same thing with addicts when you call them, you know, you call them junkies, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, felon, you know, orange is the new black, yeah. right? And why is it the new black? Because they, the majority of them have been mass incarcerated, Not you know, uh, from the, the, what was it? The 13th amendment where it was like, you can't have slavery anymore unless they committed a crime. <laughs> like, it, it's like, <laughs> you know, cause they knew that abolishing slavery was going to completely wreck the economy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, if they committed a crime, you can still do chain gangs. You can still do And they're like, and so then black people are like, we're free, right? And then guys, white guys showed up and they're like, you're in jail now. And, it, and so now we're not going to put you on a plantation, but we're going to put you in a prison, right. you know. And it but nobody really knows that because it mm -hmm. just, it's like one of those things that just happened. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And now it's like starting to become like real. And they're like, they're like, holy cow, like, why is there so many black people in prison why in north Dakota? why is there why is is there five five to eight percent of the population is native american but why why is the prison 25 percent native american mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah and like there's so much trauma happening you know throughout the communities and it's just kind of like well they broke the law yeah. yeah that might be true but at one time we were locking people up for no reason right. and that has collateral collateral consequences through the generations yeah, you know what i mean mm -hmm. to the point where it's like you know even nonprofits profits are like yeah we're helping you know people and then by default their kids are going to stay out of prison well i mean we say it like we keep right. guys out of prison we get them sober mm -hmm. their kids will stay out of you know prison mm -hmm. right and then 
because that's true. But so is the opposite. If we're putting people in prison, right? right? Mm -hmm. Even if now, if it's the reason for, like they actually are legitimately, you know, doing crime, right? Where's the line when we go backwards, when we were putting people in prison at mass rates that may not have been committing crime? Like, when do we take fault? Because if if we can keep people out of prison, their kids out of prison by helping them, Mm -hmm. does that mean we put their kids in prison when we put them in prison? You know what I mean? And so, yeah, we do owe a lot to black community. We owe a lot to even white community, right? Mm -hmm. To a lot of people that we locked up because their kids got locked up because we locked up their parents. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So The biggest part is like creating an environment where you can ask questions because a lot of times I just fall back on stereotype or whatever and Mm -hmm. don't ask questions. And that is true of recovery too. Like um, when we're using and drinking, we scare people. They don't want to come up to us and Mm -hmm. help it. You know what I mean? They kind of want to help, but but they don't want us to hurt them, which is, you know, that could be a thing. But, and then after we get sober or Mm -hmm. when you quit gambling, nobody wants to talk about it because they don't want to trigger you or some weird thing like that. But that's just like, don't avoid it. You know, the accountability is so helpful. Mm -hmm. And to just have someone ask about like something you're struggling with day to day is, is really meaningful, even Mm -hmm. if they don't get it. You know what I mean? Necessarily get it, but to avoid it and just like act like it's not there is crazy. It just Mm -hmm. doesn't, it's just so unhelpful, but yeah, I think that's one of the, you know, a few more minutes left before we get out of here, but I think uh, to close it, just what are some of the just like kind of the final surprises that you've seen and I think one of the biggest things my my best surprise um, was the fact that having somebody that I can talk to with no judgment an individual you know an individual person mentor uh, sponsor you know call it however you would like that that person uh, in my mind when I first started it was like oh okay so you're gonna just tell me what to do and what what not to do and make sure that you know I can live my life the way it's supposed to be and you know my sponsor you know became you know in my mind that's how we started the relationship and then he very quickly clarified no that's not what my purpose is uh but but the surprising part was learning that 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 he was supposed to be the just the guy just someone to be able to be safe and just ask a ton of questions he was probably super annoyed with me because i just (laughs) asked a lot of questions but it was just for me, it was just like, okay, this is just a safe place to be able to have a conversation and say, hey, I'm still new to this. I don't know what this is like. You know, you've been doing this for a little while. Like, in this situation, this is what I did. And a lot of times it was like, this is what I did. Was that okay? You know, and then he'd be like, sometimes he'd be like, no. Or then he would just ask more questions. And then I would eventually come to my own conclusion. I'm like, ah, beautiful. This sponsor is great. You know, what are some of the surprising things you know, as we're closing, like that you're just really thankful for in your own recovery that you know, you're glad for now? Did you notice that? Oh, I should probably talk into the mic. Yeah, there you go. Did you notice that like Ricky was like went to his like sponsor and was just like, "Hey, is this okay?" <laughs> I I can't tell you how many times I went to my sponsor and I was like, "This is what I totally what did, bro." Did. <laughs> and they're like, Adam, that's not okay. I'm like, oh, I didn't even, oh, okay. Like, I uh, can't talk to people that way. I okay. came to you to fix it. Yeah. I stopped on my gas pedal and really showed him. And then I found out he was handicapped. I was like, God dang it. I can't tell you how many times that's happened. They need to put it on the license plate always, not just in the rear view mirror. So it's like, and then you feel bad. But anyway, 
Uh, what was the question? I what did know. you say? The final, like, kind of the final surprise that you're... The final surprise. Yeah. The final... Um... I think... I th oh, go ahead. Okay, I'll go. Uh, there's two of them. I... One... It's a lot... You know that movie with the dude who was in uh, the new Top Gun who played Goose's son? Mm-hmm. Miles. Miles. He's in a movie where I think he's a boxer or something like that. Mm -hmm. And he's being interviewed, and they were like, what's something that you found out today that's not true, that you thought was true, or whatever, something like that. And he was like, that it's not that simple. And I think the way people interpreted it at first was like, uh, he was, oh, what is something that people told you that you believed was true that is not, or whatever? And he was like, that it's not that simple. And I think they, it caught people off guard because they were like, yeah, you know, I mean, it is not that, it's tough out there, you know what I mean? He was like, no. That's the lie. Right. It is simple. It's super simple. Like, people tell you it's not that simple because they don't believe you in you. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm not talking about going to the moon. You know what I mean? Right. But even now, like, imagine computers back in the 70s to computers today. We have more power in our pockets than we had in the, in the, in the octagon. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Or the... What's that thing called? The whiteout? Or the... Pentagon. The Pentagon, the octagon. Technically, it is an octagon. We'll just put. I mean, not like literally. It just it's a it's battle central. But <clears throat> see how I pulled that off. But um, it is it's super simple. It's just like like in our book or whatever. It says it's not easy, mm -hmm. right? Like the, it, it's literally the most simple concept in the world. You could break it down to three like simple steps if you really wanted to. Mm -hmm. I can't do this anymore. I need help, help other people, right? Like that's, there's a bunch of other stuff in there. But like, I think we just make it so complex and overthink things and, and our feelings are super intensified. And, but if you really break it down to the things that I have to do and like the, the, the things that I have to overcome, it is simple. There's nothing, it is. So don't let anyone tell you like that it's not simple and it's, you know, it's super simple. Um, and then the other thing was, is that like, I thought when when we started having some momentum with like recovery mm -hmm. that I've had more issues with other recovery organizations and treatment centers than I have ever with the government or mm -hmm. law enforcement, right? Like when we were talking earlier about the people who are blatantly racist and then the people who are like act like you're, you're from mm -hmm. when money got involved, it completely separated the partners at one time we were all friends we hung out we did stuff together then money got involved and i can't tell you how uh, motives and agendas okay. and it, it, it just it's 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 actually it's kind of sad is what it is so those are the two surprises that i had okay um uh i think for myself personally in i i am still surprised at how amazing my life is really i have so many things to be grateful for. I would have sold myself short if you had given me, when I first sobered up, I made a list of five things I wanted in life. And I can't even remember what they were, but I suppose to trap a man, to have a <laughs> career, blah, you know, on and on. But um, the things I have today are so much bigger than what I could have ever wanted. And my ability to um, just, you know, forgive everyone everything and move forward and try and be helpful um, and laugh. 
that's the biggest thing, you know. Um, so that's probably what surprised me the most is how good it really is. You? Awesome. Yeah, I think uh, final surprise is that recovery is great. Love it. I wouldn't be able to be on this radio. Obviously, I wouldn't be able to be on this radio if I wouldn't have met Adam and been a part of F5. Wouldn't have had none of the things I would have had because when I didn't have recovery, I almost ended it. So, yeah. if we run over time, it's Ricky's fault. Yeah. <laughs> well, with the last few seconds we have, uh, we're going to close it on that. This has been the F5 Recovery Radio. Um, this is one pretty Ricky, one of my co hosts, Kirsten Hoovenen, Adam Martin. I want to thank, of course, our uh, amazing. Radio station that we're on, KRFF 95.9 LP FM, uh, just streaming all the way throughout Mark Warhead and Fargo. Uh, feel free to tune in next time, next week, Wednesday, 8 a.m. Uh, we're going to be talking about all sorts of new things, and we're really excited to be able to share and, and take it from there. So you guys have a great rest of your day, and stay safe. Thank you, Fargo. Have a good morning. Stay safe. Good morning. Good. We're off. Well, I had the other one. I don't know if it's going to be. I think we need shit. It made sense to shit. Yeah, no, it was really good. I liked it. I really enjoyed that. What's out there? Oh, there we go. Oh, are we still live? No. Oh, okay. I muted the microphones. I just did not attend. Because Kirsten cussed. Oh